and welcome to the Rethinking Leadership podcast series. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we're doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement of the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future of business. Find out what this week's leader has to say. This week, I'm talking to Corinne Crane, the Chief Executive of the Black Country Chamber of Commerce. Corinne came into the chamber about four years ago to shake it up for the modern day. He leads a team of 31 people and a £2 million turnover. The Black Country is one of the most diverse regions on the planet and Corinne passionately champions that diversity. Have a listen. Hi Corinne, thanks for joining me today. Hi, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, For the benefit of the the viewers and the listeners, can you tell us who you are and what you do at the Chamber, please? Yeah, my name's name's Corinne Crane. Um, I'm the Chief Executive of the Black Country Chamber of Commerce. Um, There's 53 chambers across the the country and our area covers um, Samwell, uh, Warsaw, Wolverhampton and Dudley, right smack bang in the middle of the country. Right, so quite a broad area and quite a diverse area as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's quite a place. Um, geographically, it's, it's, it's quite a small area. So it's crunched into a quite small area, but it's, it's absolutely ram-packed full of people and businesses. So in that, in that quite small area, there's 1.1 million people live there and about 35,000 businesses. So, you know, it's, it's incredibly diverse. But, and also, um, one of, you're right, absolutely, one of the most diverse um, places on the, on the planet. You know, so it's incredible. Really good mix of people that live, live there as well. So no doubt um, a whole range of different businesses as well. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what makes it such a fascinating place. We, we, we're probably um, best known for the, the industry, which is where the, the nickname, the Black Country, came in the first place. Um, but yeah, a real mix of, a real mix of people and, 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 and industries. And I guess in like current times, it, you, have, you have the opposite side of that as well. So it's got quite, quite big areas of deprivation there. Um, and we know that some of the, the low-skilled workers and people from BAME groups are also most vulnerable during the current crisis. So you've got this mix of innovation and, and history and, and deprivation, but also, also a lot of businesses doing very well. So, yeah, a good mix of places. So what, what have been the challenges? Obviously, we're just coming out of COVID-19 at the time of recording. So what have been some of the challenges that you faced in the last few months? I suppose they come on, come on two levels, really. I think um, uh, Chambers of Commerce are, are, um, are strange organisations, aren't they? Because you, you, you're running a small business. So my business has got about just over 30 staff. We turn over about £2 million a year. Um, we've got an office that we rent in, in Wolverhampton in the Science Park. Um, so you've got the, the, the issues to deal with as a business. We need to survive. Um, but also, um, we need to be there to lead um, other businesses in the area so you're both representing them and running your own businesses at the same time so it's been it's been quite a crazy quite a crazy three months hasn't it well well it has on so many levels hasn't it but I know that the chamber have been extremely busy yeah. looking to represent businesses so I'm, I'm curious about what what are some of the challenges that you faced with with that in the last few weeks and months given that you've got such a diverse set of businesses and region well, I mean, from just from a very personal level, we um, I joined the chamber about three years ago. I'd never even been a chamber 
got the chief exec's job. So in the baptism of fire, my job was, was brought into to modernize it, to make it profitable, to bring it, bring it to life, really. And we've been through a huge amount of change to get to that point. Um, and this, this year, end of our financial year, would have been the first year that we were going to make a, a surplus for the first time in about seven or eight years. And next year um, was, was really looking good. And then this happened. Um, and almost overnight, it feels like you've gone back to step one because we, we just about scraped into the black this year. Um, this year's going to be very, very tough. So we, we dealt with that early doors. And, you know, we had to look at furloughing and, and all bits and bobs. Um, and we also made a very brave decision to, um, to offer our membership free for, for three months for April, May and June. We were lucky to have some reserves as a business, but that costs £150,000 in, in revenue for the first three months of the year. So you're starting off on that negative figure, which is hard. And the second part, I guess, is, is being there for our members so, and, um, and the wider business community. So really quickly, we had to make sure our communication channels were in place um, and that our, we were giving out top-notch um, information and advice to businesses right from day one because the confusion of the first six, seven weeks was insane. So many policies coming out, so many changes. So, yeah, you, you, you had to be a rock really for, for your own staff as a, as a leader, but for the business community, you, they absolutely had to trust you with giving them good advice and giving them good, good, good knowledge at the start of the process. I think it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because I, I had something similar in my business in that I had my own challenges of how do I keep my own business going? But then I was also trying to be a rock for clients as they were going through, through the uncertainty as well. And it's a really interesting challenge when you're in it yourself. Mm versus when you're rock solid and you're just providing a service for for others so yeah an interesting I hadn't, I hadn't considered that that was true for the chamber as well so it's it's useful to to consider that so you've talked about um lots of change that has gone on in the last few years in the chamber what what are some of the things that you've what are some of the changes you've experienced and what and particularly what are the some of the challenges you've faced yeah, I guess I, and there is this, this almost this feeling at the moment of, of, of reset, doesn't it? Of like, of, of having to start again, because I think, um, uh, I mean, my views, and I'm very, very wrong about this, by the way, but my views of Chambers of Commerce were probably a lot of people's, that they were, they were very white, they were very industrial-led, that they were, they were quite exclusive. You know, there were small gangs of quite privileged people getting together. And I had this really wrong opinion of them. And when you, when you get under the skin of them and you get jobs here, you just realise that there's this, 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 this fresh, fresh ideas. And you, you have the privilege of, of, of businesses um, welcoming you into, into their, under their wings when you get the job. My previous job, I was, I was chief executive of a, of a local enterprise partnership. And um, for love nor money, we could get in front of businesses there. We'd, um, unless we had cash to give away, people just didn't want you in there. And I started this job. I emailed all of our members. And I must have had 100, 150 invites into the businesses to come and see them because they, wow. they see you as one of them. But, uh, but our big job really was, was, was making it very modern, really, really bringing it up because I think um, – the, the, the world's changed, uh, whereas once you would join a, a membership organisation, you pay your subs, you'd be part of it, because you have to. That's how you network, that's how you got advice. The, the modern world doesn't leave you that, that sort of beauty anymore, does it? You, 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 people just don't join you automatically. They, they begrudgingly give you the money and they want value for it, yeah. because they can get information other ways. So what we had to do was really drag an organisation and try and modernise it. Uh, and But at the same time, not not undermine that good connection you had so very generally our brand awareness was brilliant everyone knew the chamber brand everyone's heard of the chamber of commerce 
probably what that brand was underneath it was probably less. People weren't, are you public sector? Are they private? You know, is it members only? Is it, what does it look like? My life, just manufacturers. So yeah, we had a brand, a brand issue and, and a modernization issue. So how did you how did you change the perception of the chamber? Because I, you know, I'll be honest, I I had a similar one, and and I think the chamber has changed dramatically over the years. Because when I when I first set up my business, it was ten years ago, and I went along to a chamber networking event, and and you're right, it was all white men, mm. and and I approached a group of men, and I, and there was only one other woman in an in a in a room of a hundred people. Um, there was only one other woman and I approached a group of men and said, can I join you? And, and I wasn't phased by that because I used to work for IBM. So I'm used to a, you know, a male dominated technology industry. And they just looked at me as if to say, you don't fit. And I just thought, well, I'm not joining and I'm never going back. And it was, I think it was seven years before I joined the chamber again um, and went along because people were telling me that it was, it was different. And I think it's difficult, isn't it, when you get people's mindset of it's one way, is how do you shift them? So I'm, I'm curious about how you've done that and how, and how you, what does modernization mean for you? Yeah, and I think it, it, it's hard, isn't it? I think it's on many levels because back to modernization, the, one of the, the difficulties as well is that there's, um, there's 53, 53 chambers across the country. So no two uh, have necessarily got the same structure in as another one. So you might have a, a fairly modern looking chief executive at one, you might have a fairly traditional one at another one. So even if you if you you might have joined one that was particularly old fashioned, then there are there are some old fashioned ones still still around. Um, uh, and what we did was we we, we looked at really the, the principles of, of what I would want as a modern business, you know. So for instance, you know, we 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 we, we want to be dynamic. And often what that means is you don't just necessarily want in one sector. You want to be quick reacting and get the right products. We thought a lot about our product range. We spoke to every single one of our members. We rang them all up and we asked them questions about what they valued from us. And we had a big long list of, of, of things that we did that we didn't do. And we started chatting some around, around about that. And then there's, there's, there's two ways of looking at Chambers of Commerce as well. One is that you're there purely to represent the, the business owner, the businesses. You're there to represent businesses. Alternatively, you can you can also say that you represent businesses and their workforce, and really, really early doors. I, I'm I'm very passionate about inclusivity and diversity as, as issues. So we started to bring in started to bring in policy issues and decisions around how to make our our, our, our membership more diverse, but also to try and encourage businesses who were members um, to make their workforces more more diverse. So very simply, we 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 try and recommend that. Wherever possible, your workforces should reflect the communities around them. Simple as that. You know, it's a nice, nice way of doing it. But bit by bit, you start to get a good reputation for thinking about things in, in, in a different way. And, and we did a lot, an awful lot of work around that. And you have to be careful not to lecture businesses because actually, you, very soon you can be seen as a as someone telling you how to do your job, and that's not yeah. that that's not much fun. And we try not to do that. And, and, and the next one was, was we've, the black country hasn't necessarily got the best reputation outside the black country. You know, I'm sure where it is, and often quite, um, quite old fashioned. So we did a couple of initiatives quite early that we would just proper flash. So we set up a, a business festival, Black Country Business Festival, that, we, that we, we, we put money into it, we put effort into it, and we had this big ambition that within three years would be the biggest in the country. 
we're almost there. So it's really? absolutely huge. Yeah, but it's really modern, really cool. And actually, you know, the, the launches were done with a, a company that also an Apple launches. We did really good videos around it, really branded it up properly. So we got eBay on our sponsors for it. We've got national interest in it. You know, we've got a load of national press for it. Really cool. And all of a sudden, people start looking at it in a different way and thinking, wow. But, you know, better brand awareness, better dialogue with the members and do things properly. We like, to, you know, I, I, I say it quite bravely that I, I don't want to work with any businesses. I want to work with the right sort of businesses. And, and those are the ones who care about the, the communities around them. Great. I mean, I just think that's such a, such a laudable um, mission to have to not just uh, be diverse in the region, but to actually encourage diversity in, in businesses and, and not an easy thing to do. Because as you say, there's that really fine balance between lecturing and then policy and support and guidance, isn't there? And what, what, are, what are the, some of the biggest challenges you've faced with that? With that, that particular agenda, I think it's, I, I, it, it's, a, it's a real hard one. And I, I, I guess there's a little bit of, of I'm, I'm a white middle-aged man. And actually some of the things I'm campaigning for about not having more white middle-aged men in positions of, of management, you know, you've got to change that around. So you, you have to be sort of aware of that, you know, straight away because you look hypocritical otherwise. Mm. But you know, what does, a, what does a successful modern workforce look like? We've got, a good example of this is we've got skills gap in our workforce still. So a, a manufacturing company will still have hard to fill vacancies, they'll have gaps in their management, you know, they're not, they've got all the problems around it. If you're only tapping into one certain part of the, of the, of the local demography, you're not going to fill those jobs. If you had a wider approach to it all, you, you will fill those jobs. So when our, our approach to inclusivity and diversity has absolutely been around about how to make your business more successful. You know, actually, you've got to understand all the skills out there that's going on around it. And then and talk in a, in, a, in a fashion that's credible. So we've done a lot of stuff around um, uh, women in leadership. Um, and there's, there's loads of women networking groups you can join and women in business. That's absolutely fine. We're not touching those. You get on with that. What we'd rather do is start to campaign around some of the things that are stopping women getting into more senior positions. So we know there's not enough women on our boards across the country, not enough getting into senior positions. Most non-exec roles, typically paid ones in the public sector and then into white males. So how do you train people, give them the confidence to do it? And bit by bit, you really make a, a, an impact on stuff. But it's about credibility. It's about talking with passion about the real issues about running businesses. Um, and then people find it difficult to argue with that, actually. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to ask a favour of someone, oh, you know, would you do this for us? It tends to be a, one senior manager who might agree, and then all fizzles away as the organisation goes there. So you've just got to stick at it. And, and I, I don't think people expect chambers to talk about these sort of things sometimes. Um, and you can, quite selfishly, you can make it a bit of a USP, can't you? You can, be, you can be the chamber that does that, the one that stands out a little bit. So that gives you more credibility in the marketplace as well, I think. Great. Well, it sounds like you're doing a, a, a great job with that. And I, I, think it's, I think it's so needed because what, what I've realised over, you know, naively, but it's only really in the last four months that I've realised how much influence the Chamber actually has, both within a region and with government and with policy. And, and the Chamber have been absolutely at the forefront of, certainly from a West Midlands point of view, really positioning what is it that businesses are needing. And, and I think the Chamber have done a great job of, of that. And I don't think I fully appreciated how in tune the chamber was um yeah. shame on me but i don't think i fully appreciated until the last few months where 
every time I was thinking we need this, then suddenly the chamber were talking about it and then the government were providing the legislation around it. So, you know, I think, I think it's, I think the chamber have done a great job around that. What, what are some of the things that you've learned in this, in the process of change, either over the last three years or, or more recently in the last few months that you think are, are going to be useful going forward in terms of how we rethink and reposition business and leadership for the future? What are some of the things that, that, that you've learned or that you've seen others learn that we need to start including more readily? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll return to inclusive leadership as much as I, as I can, really, because I don't think I don't think it's not an exclusive thing in leadership and inclusive. It's not separate things. It's just it's good leadership, isn't it? It's about it's about how how inclusive you are, and that starts at every level. I think mm-hmm. so. You know, um, this old hierarchical system of management, for instance, is is outdated. You know, and actually, most modern businesses aren't surviving and growing because of because of old fashioned systems around that inclusivity at that level comes in about how you involve the workforce in decision-making, about how you involve them in, in actually getting things done. Uh, a, a problem that we had in, in my chamber, at a very micro level, was that uh, morale was really low. They'd had uh, three chief execs in a, in a six-month period. They'd had a real hard time. There was a lot of distrust in the, in, in the team. So trying to work that through is a really difficult time. Sometimes members of staff just shouldn't be working for you anymore, if I'm perfectly honest. Sometimes they need to move on to, 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 to new challenges. Sometimes you get the best out of people just by engaging with them. So, you know, that's a, that's a really good one, I, I think, to do. But, but also, that, that you have to realise, don't we, for leadership, is the world is changing so incredibly quickly that you have to have more young people in your organisations and, and people of different perspectives, because otherwise, you, you even on a, on a monthly basis, stuff comes out that you feel really old fashioned, don't you? You see things and think, oh my God, I, I can't. And then you look daft, don't you? Trying to engage really quickly in something. So this, this idea of, of leadership is amazing. So the best manufacturers, you know, for instance, um, there's, a, there's a fact that the average age of manufacturing worker in the West Midlands is, is 55 and it's, and it's male. So straight away, you've got a problem there. I mean, you know that not young people aren't coming in and it's not diverse enough. So to get a good manufacturing company, the leaders have now got to start thinking about how do I diversify my workforce because I can't keep relying on 50-year-old men working for me forever. That, that's, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Truck drivers in the UK, I think it's 95% of them are, are white males in the mid-50s. So, you know, either we don't move our goods around anymore or we start to think about a more diverse workforce. Yeah. And, and, and the final bit for leadership is, is you, it's about embracing new technologies in a way that doesn't take your eye off your customer. Because it's really easy sometimes to think, oh, put it online, it'll sell, be really, really easy. The, the good online companies have got a real, an absolutely biopic focus on what the customer wants. And they, they tailor the experience to online materials. Mm-hmm. So I think, for me, that's what good leaders are. And if you can't begin to innovate, you know, research, do your development, get things differently, constantly evolve, do it, have your customer at the heart of it all, you because you're 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 gonna the time's ticking until you close down yeah and and it's interesting what you're saying about the the inclusivity and the diversity it's not it's not just gender or race or sexuality or 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 age it's it's all of that isn't it because if we want to have innovative thinking we actually need different perspectives don't we so we need people that think differently from each other so that you can actually have some of those healthy, healthy debates. Are you, are you noticing any resistance to that? Because one of the things I, I notice in teams is that 
people don't like to disagree. So people like it when it's all harmonious and, and you can make a decision really quickly if every, everybody agrees. So I just wondered what your take was on, on that. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's easy to, um, to be the chief exec of something, isn't it? And think everyone agrees with you all the time <laughs> because, um, because invariably that you're going to say things and they're going to be too worried about, about, about confronting you. And that, that, that only comes in time, actually. And one of the things I, 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 as, a, as, a, as a boss, I guess, that I, I've tried really, really hard is, is not only to give people um, the power to make decisions, um, but even when I disagree with them, let them get on with it anyway. And I think that's, 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 a, that's a really brave thing to do because um, clearly you don't always agree all the time and you don't always agree with the approach all the time. But once you genuinely empower people to get on with stuff, you, you, the benefits are just incredible. So, you know, back, God, this whole, this whole interview will just be on diversity, won't it? But, you know, we, we, we're setting up a national LGBT network for, for business leaders about understanding. There's some horrible stats about um, that, uh, that about about half of people who come out at university go go back in the closet again when they get into workplace because they're just too afraid in the workplace. That's disgraceful, isn't it? You know, mm, yeah. and about the bias that gets to, that, that people face. You know, when they're talking about these issues in the workplace, it's a, it's a bloody disgrace. Mm. But you know, you, you you get people in your workforce who, who understand it, who can lead on it, give them the power, give them the space, get on with it. You know, we we did some work around Black Lives Matter when that was a really difficult political situation to get into. Not everyone agrees with it, but actually just give the people get the right members in the room give them the power give them space let them talk about it but be brave enough to accept actually that what comes out of that is is you might not agree with it but as an organization you're changing things so i think i think leadership is evolving the world's evolving isn't it but you we, we you've got to keep sharp and give people and the benefits are you know what when all those minds are working and exploring new ideas and doing different things it's almost like you've got 30 personalities out there doing the same thing so yeah it's a it's a, it's a great great challenge well and what i'm hearing in that is it it takes a level a level of humility to accept that you know as the ceo not everybody's going to agree with you and your way isn't always the right way and I, and I think, you know, that's one of the skills that is going to be needed more and more, isn't it? If we're going to create diverse workforces, we need a level of humility in the top team. Yeah, you, 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 you absolutely do. And I, I, I think humility is the right, the, the, right, the right word as well, isn't it? Because I think, um, I think you, this idea of empowering people, you get paid more from the chief executive. And actually, what, 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 does the, what does the job really do? If you've got a senior management team, they should be making their own decisions. They should be making their own decisions. And, and sometimes the chief executive is just about saying, what can I do to make that easy for you? How can I help unplug that for you? What do you need to do around that? And sometimes there's tough decisions to make, aren't there? Where you're saying, look, I've got all that information together this is going to be hard but we've got to do this this is this is the right thing for the business now but at the same time always understanding and listening but there's nothing worse than arrogant bosses who think look at me i'm the boss and i will make decisions that's you know and i i couldn't work for someone like that and i wouldn't expect anyone that that worked work with me to do the same thing as well brilliant well thanks corinne so final final question then um what would your advice be to younger leaders who are maybe entering the workforce or starting to develop in their career? What would your advice be for them? Oh, it's so it's it's so hard, and I think for for young people especially, and and, and it, it's it's a real difficult way to, to break in. I wouldn't ever say be patient. Don't be impatient. Just get on with stuff. Don't don't think there's a pecking order. Don't think there's a there's a thing you have to go through. Never just jump in sometimes and, and get on get on with stuff. 
Um, we do some really, really cool um, peer-to-peer learning sessions, um, which are brilliant, where you know, where they tend to be quite sectoral focused and often it's, it's, it's groups of people just learning from each other. And a lot of trust comes in this. So clearly, you know, it's that idea of good coaching, isn't it, about dropping your guard slightly, listening, opening up, sharing stuff, you know. That the biggest way you can learn about how, how leadership is is by, is by listening. Mm. Um, and if all possible, mentors are, are, are amazing, aren't they? If you can get somebody that you genuinely respect, not someone who's in a position you want to be in, but someone that you, you like the way that they do things, someone who catches your eye about mm. an attitude or the way they get things done, that's how you do it. Get, get, a, good, get, a, good, get a good person you can look at and understand and think, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite cool. But the leadership is really, really hard because if you work in the public sector or if you work on a shop floor, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because the next, what's your next job? The Peter principle, isn't it? You know, you get promoted to the point of, of incompetence. Mm-hmm. But that's not what leadership's about. It's not a ladder. Yeah. It's about leadership is, is, is being able to, to, to get people around you and believing in what you believe and moving forward. And you don't have to be a boss to be a good leader. No, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, the the point around the mentoring is so important, isn't it? I was, I was talking recently at, um, at a school, um, online, of course, but I was talking to, to a group of school children and they were, they were asking me about how do you overcome diverse, you know, discrimination and how do you overcome challenges and, and how do you create diversity and, and, and so on. And, and I, one of the things I said was that we need we need to have good mentors and I've my success is you know whatever success I've had has been down to having multiple mentors I never have just one I think I've got four at the moment because <laughs> <laughs> I'm greedy but but usually because they've got different perspectives and and what I'm always looking for in a mentor is somebody that's going to support me and cheer me on but also challenge me and and, and make me pay attention almost give me a, a prod with a stick and go Jude stop no you're wrong think about you know think about this in a different way and um so you don't always want mentors that are going to cheer you on sometimes you want them that that poke you with a stick and go no what about what about something completely different <laughs> absolutely all, all you ever do is just seeing things from your own your normal perspective isn't it because mm-hmm. that's you've done that all your life whatever position you've got to where you are today you've seen for those two set of eyes the whole time you need people looking at these different angles don't you the whole time yeah. and telling you what it looks like from there and then you make better decisions, you know. You know, that's it's, something like it's almost like having your own personal advisory board, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right, absolutely right. And absolutely right. And you know, one of the things we've done in the West Midlands is we've um the six chambers in the West Midlands, the chief execs get together quite regularly now. But all of us ring each other up. And I and, and when I first started this job, I went to see all of them and I chatted to them all and got what they were doing understood. I stole bits of the good stuff they were doing. I definitely didn't do things I didn't agree with that they were doing. And actually, we, we've got a great relationship. And sometimes you just get a phone call just to say, am I doing this right? And you say, look, I wouldn't do it that way personally. But, you know, I get why you are. So, you know, stick with it. Stick with it because I understand the situation. And having someone to talk to like that is a, is a relief because it gets lonely sometimes when you're, yeah. when you're, just, you're just, doing, just doing the boss stuff. Yeah. Well, great advice, Corinne. I think we could talk all day. But thank you so <laughs> much for your time. No, no, thank you. And thank you very much for the invite. I'm, I'm very honoured. Thank you. I felt really inspired after talking to Corinne, confident that with the right energy and enthusiasm, regions can transform themselves for the future and business can do that too. The Chamber of Commerce in the Black Country and Corinne's aim is to bring businesses together, find them new customers, new ways of working and shout 
when they're being held back or doing something amazing. I can really see how Corinne's enthusiasm is going to position the black country as a really powerful region for the future. What's the transformation that your organisation or team need to make to position you solidly for the future? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, helping leaders and teams lead with courage and compassion to accelerate growth in a way that makes a difference in the world. You can find out more at www.judejennison.com and you can find me on all the usual social media channels. Until next week, keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership. Mm -hmm.